The following is a podcast from Taylor Productions in association with AO Studios, high atop 8333 Towers. The opinions of this podcast are solely of the individual and have no affiliation with Sanderson High School or Wake County Public School System. Republication of this broadcast is strictly prohibited without the express written consent of Taylor Productions. High atop 83-33 Towers, it's the Voice of the Spartans podcast with Will Taylor. On this week's show, your local news, Sanderson football, college and NFL reports, person of the week, news of the weird, new curmudgeon commentary, and much, much more. And now, former president of the Mountaineer Maniacs, Will Taylor! Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody, and welcome to this week's show after a two-week hiatus. You're listening to the Voice of the Spartans podcast. My name is Will Taylor. I've decided to take the show to once every two weeks, not every week as we've been doing. <laughs> uh, it's been way too much, Way become way too busy with other things going on. Uh, so let's just put it that way. <laughs> I appreciate y'all listening wherever you may be on your listening devices. You can find us on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcast, and chief listening platform, Spotify. The show is on social media through my personal pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Plus, you can find our own account on Instagram by searching Voice of the Spartans underscore podcast. That's Voice of the Spartans underscore podcast. Lots going on in the last few weeks, so we've got a jam-packed show for you. We've got your local news from Raleigh, Wake County, North Carolina, and beyond. Sanderson football has entered its last few weeks of the regular season. We'll run down what they've been doing and have left. We'll also uh, have some highlights of your local college football teams as well as the NFL. We'll also get into the news of the weird and introduce your person of the week. I've uh, I've had some nice responses to my first uh, curmudgeon, curmudgeon commentary, which we introduced on the show two weeks ago. We'll get into another issue this week coming up. So lay back, relax, and let's get her done. You're listening to the Voice of the Spartans podcast. Thanks so much, y'all. Now I present your local news from Raleigh, Wake County, North Carolina, and beyond. The North Carolina State Fair is back after last year's COVID cancellation. 
Everything opened on Thursday, October 14th with new rides and, of course, new foods. I have heard from some fairgoers that prices are up everywhere. Even some cheap options that have been good in the past are even up. Uh, parking around the fairgrounds in some places is $25. If you want to walk, it's less than that. That at around $10. And I believe it's still free over at the Carter-Finley Stadium lots if you want to walk some. PNC Arena also has parking and there's a shuttle, as always, from other areas near the fairgrounds. There are some local favorites such as the Pittsburgh Kiwanis Club Ham Biscuits and, of course, Al's Fries, always good with vinegar. Still getting some great reviews. Of course, there is deep-fried everything. If you ever think something can't be deep-fried, go to the fair because it is. <laughs> Turkey legs, fried mac and cheese, and, of course, this year's shrimp and grits on a steak. Anything I hear that is on a steak, I think of Jeff Dunham and his his act. But uh, so you can think, <laughs> you think the fair foods on a stick if you want to go to the fair. State fair will run until Sunday, October twenty fourth. And um, our next story is a little bit sad, but uh, if you didn't, uh, if you don't know, but uh, sad news from out of Mount Airy this past week. Betty Lynn, the actress that played Thelma Lou on the Andy Griffith Show, passed away at the age of 95. She lived in California before moving back to Mount Airy back in 2006 and was the ambassador to the Andy Griffith Museum right there in town. The fictional town of Mayberry is based off of Mount Airy uh, for the show. In later years, she would be she would attend reunions, speak and sign autographs, as well as being an advocate for the show and museum. And uh, she died of natural causes. Besides, actor, director, and producer Ron Howard, who played Andy's son Opie, she was one of the last surviving members alive. As you know, uh, Andy Griffith passed away a number of years ago along with uh, Mr. Barney Fife himself, Don Knotts, uh, passed away. And I don't know, I think, yeah, and uh, Gomer, Jim Neighbors, he, he's, he's gone too. So she was one of the last ones alive um, as far as the main adult actors. Uh, you know, WRL, if you all remember, WRL used to, and I think they still do, show reruns of the Andy Griffith show. Uh, most of it you can find on uh, TV land, I think right now. And, um, you know, this, this, uh, the show was really, you know, based Andy Griffith created it and, you know, he was, uh, he lived in Manio for quite a while and some, at the end of his life, he was living in Manio and, uh, you know, Mount Airy has Mayberry days every year. And you know you can always find you know artifacts and things all over the town uh, about the show, and you know they they there's a decent amount of the population that goes up there every year for Mayberry Days. I mean, it's really cool, you know, just to have a you know <laughs> you got an entire town that's based on a fictional place, but um, that's really cool. And also, uh, you know, if you drive down seventy or fifty two, I believe, drive up to fifty two, you can get go over to Mount Pilot and catch you a movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's, uh, but yeah, that that's sad to hear. She's one of the last surviving actors. Uh, in other news, in North Carolina, Democratic Congressman for Wake County, David Price, who is 81, will not seek re-election in, tw- in the midterm elections for 2022 and retire from public service. He is the longest serving delegation left in North Carolina and one of the longest in Congress uh, actually still serving. Uh, we have some really, we've had some really long uh, serving representatives, uh, Walter, the Walter B. Jones Sr. from Eastern North Carolina, uh, representing District 2. Of course, Senator Jesse Helms was one of the lo- longer serving senators. And then Walter B. Jones Jr., once again, a Walter, senior son uh, who represented Eastern North Carolina for quite a long time. Um, I mean, you've had a lot of a uh, lot of incumbent uh, senators and congressmen that uh, have really left a legacy here in North Carolina for all those years, um, and uh, so he will be retiring. So another another uh, new congressman will be elected in uh, this coming November. A, another story: An NC judge has ruled that the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill may consider may continue, excuse me, to consider race as a factor in its undergraduate admissions, rebuffing a conservative group's argument that affirmative action disadvantages uh, white and Asian students. The judge ruled this last Monday that UNC has shown that it has a compelling reason to pursue a pursue, pursue Lab radio, <laughs> a diverse student body, and has demonstrated that measurable benefits come from that goal. Students for Fair Admissions sued UNC in 2014, arguing that using race and ethnicity as a factor in college admissions violates the EP, um, uh, EP cause of the uh, Constitution and federal uh, civil rights law. They contended that Carolina has gone too far in using race as a factor in administration and thus intentionally uh, discriminates against them, against certain members of the basis of uh, race. And, you know, it's I think Carolina has done this for for many, many years. And I know there's been some groups that have opposed it. And, you know, uh, I guess this is a win for the university as they think this is a great plan for them to continue uh, their diversity. And Ladies and gentlemen, here's tonight's top ten. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, your top 10 colleges and universities in our lovely state of North Carolina. This, according to Wallet Hub, has come out with their top 10 colleges and universities here to attend in North Carolina. Their criteria are academics, diversity, overall scoring, athletics, and you name it, there, there is a reason to have it. You can agree or disagree with these findings, but here we go. Number 10 is, anticipation, Meredith College right here in North Raleigh. Number nine, University of Mount Olive. Uh, If everybody knows where Mount Olive is, Mount Olive College is what they call it in Down East, (laughs) near a a Rocky Mount, I believe. 
Uh, number eight, Queens College or Queens University of Charlotte. They've gone to a university now. Queens University of Charlotte. Number seven, my own Appalachian State University in Boone. Number six, Western Carolina University in Cullowhee. Um, I don't agree with that, but okay, we're moving on. <laughs> Number five, my mother's alma mater, Salem College in Winston-Salem in near, down, near downtown. Number four, Davidson College, Presbyterian uh, College in uh, Davidson, North Carolina. Number three, Raleigh's own North Carolina State University. Number two, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And the number one college and university to attend in the state of North Carolina, according to Wallet Hub, Duke University. Yeah, no. <laughs> there it is, guys. Top 10 college and universities to attend in the state of North Carolina. So if you're planning to heading to college in uh, your senior in high school, those are your top 10. So uh, might want to put some of those on your list. And lastly, in the news this this uh, for this show, uh, this episode of this show, lastly, we normally don't dive into national news, but this deserves some attention, in my opinion. Former uh, General and Secretary of State Colin Powell, who served under the Bush administration, died earlier this week at the age of 84 from complications from COVID. Powell was vaccinated, but it was reported that he also su- was suffering from Parkinson's which also attributed to his death. Uh, Powell was a Vietnam veteran and spent 35 years in the Army. He was the first black chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He organized the invasion of Kuwait in 1991 after Iraq. Uh, Saddam Hussein took over and invaded uh, from Iraq and started the first war, world, excuse me, first war in the P- Persian Gulf area in the in 1991 he also famously said in a u.n speech that the secretary of state as secretary of state that he there were mass weapons of mass destruction in iraq as he said um as he did as um we started this country started the second portion of that uh, persian gulf war and like i said he was 84 years old that's it that's all for your news this week Stay tuned as we dive into the state of football. And now, ladies and gentlemen, your state of football for this week. Panthers, Panthers, Panthers. I tell you what, it's a soap opera in itself right now. Panthers started 3-0, and last week they lost two in a row to uh, controversial uh, playing in the second half. And once again, Panthers are at home playing the Minnesota Vikings, and they lose 34-28, giving up 373 yards in passing to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings and three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook for the Vikings had 29 carries for 140 yards and one touchdown. Sam Darnold just just wasn't good, 17-41. of 41. 207 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Christian McCaffrey still out of the uh, lineup due to a hamstring injury, and uh, he basically is going to be out for the next six weeks because he was put on injured reserve. So uh, it's just a it's just a it, just a, a interesting situation in Charlotte. You know, I, I don't really know what what's going on. You know, they, they play some decent teams starting out, and uh, but. 
lately it's been the defense has gotten inept. The offense has turned, you know, Sam Darnold has returned to his woes of last year. So we'll see. Three and three, two and two. It, it just, I don't get it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with those Panthers. Um, all winners last week in the NFL, Buccaneers, Jaguars winning in London over the Dolphins, Packers, Bengals, Colts, Rams, Chiefs back to their winning ways after losing a few. Cardinals beat the Browns. Raiders back in the winner, winner's column after the controversy with John Gruden. Cowboys win in overtime over the Patriots. Steelers. And on Monday night, it was the Titans over the Bills. That's in the NFL for this week. And, uh, you know, I'm really not into watching, you know, NFL really much this year. And it, it's been one of those things that I'm just, I don't know, I'm just not into it. Uh, you know, I got too much going on on Sundays to really... Um, really focus on anything so really Saturdays I've been take, taking most of my time so um you know it is what it is so um I don't know you, you just gotta you gotta go with the flow and uh I like college football now so <laughs> speaking of college football let's run down last week's issues or issues last week's scores Carolina got back to its uh, got a back to a win last week, defeating Miami forty-five to forty-two after their loss to lay an egg to FSU the week before. Carolina goes to four and three, three and three in the ACC. Sam Howell, I tell you what, he, he's become the uh, more of a running dual threat quarterback than a passing quarterback lately. He had ninety-eight total yards, two rushing touchdowns. Also threw for two threw for two touchdowns and had one interception. Running back Ty Chandler had 18 carries for 104 yards and two touchdowns and a long of 51. And uh, do everything wide receiver Josh Downs had 11 carries, 11 carries, 11 receptions for 96 yards and one touchdown. Carolina is off this week, but will return to action with an away game against Notre Dame up in South Bend. NC State, they did what they were supposed to do. Went up to Chestnut Hill in Massachusetts and took out Boston College 33-7. Devin Leary threw for 251 yards and three touchdowns. Thayer Thomas had four catches for 122 and, and one touchdown. And uh, they got some help, big-time help, from their special teams with a, with a touchdown of their own on a dropped punt. They also had a fumble recovery and a couple of interceptions. State goes to 5-1, 2-0 in the ACC. And uh, this week they will go down to Miami Gardens to play the Miami Hurricanes. 7.30 on ESPN2 from Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday. UVA dispatched Duke, and uh, Duke's just become the worst team in the ACC, losing 48 to nothing. And it, it was just it was just ugly. I mean, I didn't even watch that game, but it looked ugly. Duke is off this week. Wake Forest is was off last week. They are six and zero, four and zero in the ACC. They travel up to the academy, if you will. I call it uh, at Ar They will go to Army and take on the Black Knights at noon on Saturday. And uh, if you look at the ACC standings as we're halfway through the schedule, Wake and State 
are tied for the Atlantic Division lead, both undefeated in the conference. Wake, like I said, Wake 4-0, State 2-0. In the Coastal, Pitt is 2-0 in the conference. They are riding high, and no other team has even one – is not undefeated. No, no other team has one loss. They all have two or three losses. UVA, Carolina, and Georgia Tech next in line. So Pitt would really be – they're in the driver's seat, and you got to think about, you know, Pitt, Pitt's offense, if you've been watching um, – Watching them play this year, they are they are really something to behold. Pickett, Kenny Pickett is just a machine and all all or nothing quarterback and has done really well for the Panthers. Also, locally, uh, ECU was off last week, and uh, this week they will travel down to Houston, Texas to take on the Houston Cougars at 4 o'clock from TDECU Stadium. <laughs> That's kind of ironic. And... Uh, Pirates will look to continue. I think they're on a couple of game winning streak, so which is good for them. So, but this is a, this is gonna be a tough game for the uh, for the Pirates. Kick is up and good. Appalachian State knocks off number fourteen, Coastal Carolina, and here come the fans. That's right. Last night was a such an epic game between Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina. I tell you what, App came off a loss last week to really laying an egg against Louisiana, forty-one to thirteen. But this week at home, they played number fourteen, Coastal Carolina, and came away with the win on a last-second field goal from Chandler Staten, winning 30-27 to last night. Yeah, and I'm recording it Thursday morning, so. <laughs> happy guy, happy guy here right here. Chase Bryce was 18 of 28, 347 yards and two touchdowns. Nate Noel had 16 carries and 82 yards. Cameron Peoples came back. He had a running, running touchdown of his own. Malik Williams really had a career night, 10 catches, for 206 yards and one touchdown. I tell you what, last night it, it was it was a nail biter. App was down 14 to nothing, and everybody was on pins and needles. And you would think that I mean, all the air was out of the stadium. It was just unbelievable. And uh, but the apps got it done as as everybody has been saying lately, the, the saying has been roll nears, like the roll tide, but you know, I like it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so app moves to uh five and two, two and one in the uh, Sunbelt East coastal Carolina, six and one, two and one in the Sunbelt West and app in coastal still in the driver's seat. Uh, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Take that back app in the driver's seat for the uh, championship game. If they win out, as um so apps back to their winning ways uh last night everybody stormed the field after the kick by Mr. Staden and it was just an amazing scene in Boone and uh so the the boys in black and gold back to the winning ways so we are very happy I am <laughs> at least <laughs> also Corey Sutton had six catches for 113 yards and uh Really back to he he actually played a up and down game. He he dropped a football, uh, caused a fumble that uh, Coastal used at the end of the second half to come back and um, 
have a score before the end of the half to kick the field goal. And uh, But like I said, he had a long touchdown. Thomas Hennigan had a great game. I uh, had a um, – Tell you what, he he just he's just, he's our do all be all uh, wide receiver. So you got to be happy with that. So that's your college football for this week. We are now going to move into a very important week for the Sanderson Spartans. The last two weeks they enter their uh, the next two weeks will be very very important as it'll be the last two weeks of the regular season coming up this Thursday and Friday for the JV and varsity Spartans. The JV Spartans this past Thursday had a home game at Gregson Stadium against Enloe, and they fell to the Eagles 28-6. to uh, You know, what do you say? The JV team has just been uh, really struggling, but, uh, you know, they did score their first home touchdown, which was great. <laughs> so, uh, but this this guy right here, he, um, it, was, it was just hard to see. Some of the referees were not very good, but that's beside the point. Um, Sanderson scored their, like I said, scored their first home touchdown of the season, and now they are one and five overall, one and two in the Cap Six JV Conference. They have found a consistency at the quarterback position with Hampton Carter and some great running backs in uh, Jamari Lampkins and Michelle Cladige. So they keep improving. Uh, varsity football defeated those same Inlow Eagles this past Friday night, forty-two to six, to improve to four and two overall, three and zero. In the Cap 6 Conference, Sanderson has two tough games left in the regular season. First up this Friday is the last home game and senior night for the Spartans as they will face their North Raleigh rivals, the Leesville Pride. Kickoff will be at 7 o'clock with senior festivities starting at 6.30 before that. Uh, JV will travel over to Leesville on Thursday evening. Uh, kickoff is at 6.30. Leesville... Varsity team is 6-1 on the year, 1-1 one one in the cap six. Their only loss being to Cardinal Gibbons, who the Spartans will face on October 29th, being the last regular season game. Uh, the road to the conference championship begins this Friday. Um, I think Spartans have a really good chance of really turning some heads. I mean, you're underfeeding the conference. That's a good thing. Your defense is playing much better you're getting consistent play from your two running backs, Zay Donaldson and Zion Williams. Um, Zion Williams. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Screw that up. <laughs> Zion Myers. Getting up. There you go. Zion Myers. Sorry, buddy. Um, and, uh, and you're just uh, – Sanderson is playing a lot better than they did at the beginning of the season, uh, being a little more consistent – uh, so we will see what happens. Leesville, I, I think they have a really good chance on Friday night against Leesville. Leesville is a very tough team, but I think the Spartans can hold their own. Plus, we'll be at home. Um, so we'll see what happens. <coughs> and now, this week's news of the weird... Dateline San Francisco. Keep that in mind. <laughs> this guy named Al Wolf is used to clearing one or two snakes from under his house, but recently was called by a woman who said she had seen rattlesnakes scurry under her Northern California house and was surprised to find more than 90 rattlesnakes getting ready to hibernate. 90. If y'all remember about a month or so, month and a half, two months ago, we had the zebra snake out loose in Raleigh. <laughs> and uh, 
found out this guy was had some a crap ton of, of you know exotic snakes that he was poisonous snakes that is. But and so this is why I'm telling you all this story. This, this is just this goes crazy. Uh, the guy's net, Wolf, the director of Sonoma County Reptile Rescue, said he crawled under the mountainside home in Santa Rosa, California, and found a rattlesnake right away, then another and then another. He got from under the house, grabbed two buckets, put a long safety gloves, and went back in. He crawled out on his hands and knees and stomach, and he tipped over about 200 small rocks and said he kept finding snakes for almost the next four hours. I thought, oh good, it's worth a while call, but it's not so nice when you run into spider webs and dirt and smells crap and it's musty and and you find 90 daggum rattlesnakes. <laughs> he said the work paid off and he got a snake pole and he removed, removed 22 adult snakes, 59 babies, and all on uh, back on October 2nd, he returned two other times and collected 11 more. And then he found a dead cat and two possums. Golly, I mean, you you just can't uh, you can't make this crap up. You really can't, and it's just what I don't know what else to say. But uh, golly, you just uh, I I don't know. Anyway, that is your news of the weird for this week. Uh, if you find anything out there that you want to me to go into, uh, any strange news stories, give me a shout on social media. I will be glad to put it in the show. And now we move on to your person of the week. I'd like to introduce them to you. It is a them. And uh, this week, I said uh, Friday night, the Sanderson Spartans will have senior night and celebrate their class of 2022 seniors that will be graduating next May or next June, I should say. And uh, these boys, uh, these seven, I believe there's 16 or 17 of them that are will be graduating um playing their last uh, Sanderson home game here uh for the regular season and and their careers possibly um but like i said there might be a chance that these boys might uh have a home playoff game or two depending on what their record is so i wanted to give them a shout out they have worked their tails off especially this year i've mentioned several times on the show that this this team went through a covid protocol and had 23 guys out including some seniors and um you know i it was it's been a hard time for them but they have persevered they've come through it and these seniors have really uh done a really good job in their leadership and um had a fantastic uh last season here at Sanderson so once again uh i wanted to give them a shout out and uh if I could, I was going to try and read some of them out because uh, you know there's just so, they're they're really awesome dudes, and um, so let me go through them one more time. Okay, seniors are as follows. If I've missed some missed some of them, I'm sorry. Um, number one, Levi Matthews. This is in number order. Number two, Christian Tant. Number three, Connor Sandberg. Number five, Christian Mack. Number twelve, Will North. Number twenty-two, Zaire Hopkins. 28, Darion Turner, 33, Jack Klein, 42, Griffin Scott, 50, Thomas Kenner, 53, Taj Winborn, 72, my next-door neighbor, Jackson Atanasio, number 75, Jose Rodriguez Maldonado, 
Number 84, Henry Vallotta. Number 90, Josiah Hill. Number 20, Marion Massenberg. And the team manager who's been in the press box with me for a number of years, Kaya Prophet. And uh, congratulations to all these seniors. We love you. And we're so glad that you have been able to represent this school for all those years coming up. All those years coming up. All those years the, that you spent here at uh, high school. So coming up for you, we got some uh, the new segment that we just introduced last week, or last, two weeks ago, I should say, the curmudgeon commentary. So stay tuned. Ladies and gents, this is the curmudgeon commentary for this week by yours truly, Will Taylor. There is a thing that I think we took for granted during this whole COVID time, and that has been the price of gas. For the most part, gas prices had stayed consistent for the last year and a half or so going up slightly and back down for seasonal reasons. All of a sudden, I've noticed that gas went up by two cents here and two cents there. The other day, I'm driving around and noticed that gas was $3.11, then $3.29. What is going on here? Demand for oil is going up as the stockpile has been depleted. Here's the question I have. Where did it all go? A few years ago, we became self-sustaining when it comes to oil, didn't we? We We said we didn't need other countries shipping any oil to us because we had plenty and were pumping out right many barrels. What happened to all that black gold, Texas tea, as old Jed Clampett first found? Other countries that have been pumping out oil like we have seem to have figured out that gas doesn't need to be so expensive. In Venezuela, I learned the other week that gas is 20 cents a gallon. And is in places like the Persian Gulf region, gas is a little more, but still about that cheap. Why can't this country figure that out as well? Oh, wait. We have things like taxes and a way to pay for roads and infrastructure. But they can't seem to figure that out either. This country said the electric cars are the way of the future. And that we don't need all this gas and oil. You can't heat a house or power a car with just batteries and earth, right? No, you can't because you also need electricity. The environmentalists want us to be gas-free as soon as possible. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. What are we not being told? Well, according to a lot of people, that's a lot right now. I blame everything on the current inflation crisis, lack of workers, and the government just giving away all this money. The economy cannot thrive when inflation is starting to get through the roof. We've seen how well that's been done over the years. Oil demand is back. So do we need to call J.R. Ewing to figure this whole thing out for the good old USA? 
Well, we might just need to do that or somebody else. (laughs) There you have it, ladies and gents. The curmudgeon commentary for this week. Well, that's just going to about do it for us here on the Voice of the Spartans podcast. But I'd love for y'all to spread the word, get the, get it out, and uh, tell everybody what's going on. Um, because if we want to go, we want to go uh, as far out as we can. And um, we've gone global <laughs> to Switzerland, to Brazil, to uh, Czech Republic, to uh, where else have we gone? Um, and to Spain. And uh, I believe we've made it to Texas, too. (laughs) But uh, spread the word. Make sure you subscribe on those um, listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor.fm. Also, check us out on the web, on on our social media accounts. It's uh, Voice of the Spartans underscore podcast on... um, What's it called? Oh, Instagram. There you go. <laughs> I'm uh, very uh, happy about that. So uh, don't forget to uh, tune in for fi- the next few episodes. We will have um, some exciting commentary coming down the line. And um, I think you'll be pleased with what we got coming up. Like I said, we are going every other week now. So uh, you can plan accordingly or whatever you need to do. <laughs> So, um, that is, that as they say, is that. This podcast has been a presentation of Taylor Productions in association with AO Studios, high atop 8333 Towers, the most, the, um, recently renovated 8333 Towers. Thank you all so much for listening this week. We appreciate it. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Check us out on all the listening device avenues. And spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell everybody. You haven't listened. You need to. It's exciting. It's fun. And it's just a different kind of podcast. You've been listening to the Voice of the Spartans podcast. My name is Will Taylor. Thanks so much, y'all. Later.